everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. This is Monday morning, and I hope you had a great weekend. Hope you got a chance to get to church. Uh, and speaking of that, we um, had our first service without me being there. I kicked it off, T.C. Richmond with uh, Todd Phillips uh, and his family yesterday, Sunday at 6 o'clock. If you live in the Richmond area and you want to be part of that, email us at tcrichmond, T-C-T as in the, C as in called, tcrichmond at thecalled.org, thecalled.org. And just let us know that you'd like to come. And Todd Phillips will follow up with you and give you the information that you need in order to be able to get there. Starts at 6 p.m., runs until, I guess, about 7, maybe 7.30 at the latest. And um, they play a tape of uh, a message that he wants to share with people, that Todd wants to share. And then they have some discussion and prayer afterwards. Uh, Look, I see, as a matter of fact, I want to say to all of you, Uh, First of all, for those of you who who are coming to T.C. Richmond, thank you. God bless you. We're glad to have you. And uh, Todd is able to get in touch with me. If you feel you need to connect with me, just let him know, and and he will make that happen. Um, But for those of you around the country who are interested in getting these started, um, I'm going to, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to give you a specific email address for you to, to contact so that we can follow up with you and give you the instructions and the guidance that you need in order to get one of these going. Because we've got various followers around the country and uh, some of them may indeed want to connect with others of like mind, of like spirit, and we want to give you the opportunity to do that. doesn't matter where you are, you can be anywhere in the country. Uh, To tell you the truth, for that matter, you can be anywhere in the world. Uh, I know I put a lot of emphasis on the United States of America because that's where I am. But the principles I teach will work anywhere. Uh, The question is just putting them to work, praying for your country, uh, helping your country understand God's blueprint for what a nation ought to be like as opposed to human ideas about it. So I'll let you know. I should have that ready for you tomorrow to let you know who to contact, how to contact us. If you want to get a TC wherever you are, TC Atlanta or uh, a TC whatever town you come from, um, we'll, we'll be happy to help you to get that started. Now, uh, yesterday at our service, I taught, I, I taught the fourth message in a series entitled How to Be Successful. And uh, this was the second and two-part message entitled Making Right Decisions. Making Right Decisions. And I, I, I brought that up. If you, By the way, if you want to watch that, listen to that, it's, it's on bishopewjackson.tv. Uh, it's on Facebook. Uh, you, can, you can get it on Roku. You can get it on Firestick. Just go to The Awakening or put in my name, Bishop E.W. Jackson, or The Awakening, and that should bring you to, um, to my channel, and then you'll be able to look at everything there. It's all labeled and find the message that you're interested in. But if you're interested in this particular message, um, go check it out because it deals with something I want to bring up right away. And uh, we're going to get back into Ephesians chapter 6. 
I don't know whether we'll finish Ephesians chapter 6 today. We'll definitely finish Ephesians chapter 6 this week and get ready to move on to the next thing God has for us. But this decision about whether or not to get the vaccine, okay? This series, I didn't start teaching this series because of that. I started teaching it because I felt that's where God led me and that's what God wanted me to deal with. Obviously, it does apply in this situation. And in fact, there are now four messages on this. And in the last two messages, I go through all the things you don't want to allow to influence you in your decision making. And then yesterday, I began to deal with how you do make decision making that is godly, that is God-centered, so that you will make the right decisions. If, if you let God lead you and guide you in your decision making, you're going to make the right decisions. If you don't, you're going to make some doozies. And I shared a little bit some of the doozies I've made, wrong decisions I've made, and how, how I ended up making wrong decisions, some of the factors that went into allowing me. And I'm not talking about just, look, a decision whether to do something immoral or not, that's an easy decision. I mean, there's really no, <laughs> there's no difficulty there. You don't do the immoral thing, you do the moral thing. But a lot of decisions are not choices between immoral, immorality, immorality. A lot of decisions, both decisions, either you could go one or two of two or several ways, none of which would be immoral in the strict sense of that word, but there are decisions within that context that could be very, very wrong, and you just don't see it. I mean, whether to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine is not a question of whether you're going to do something moral or do something immoral, right? I mean, getting the vaccine, nothing immoral about getting it, nothing immoral about not getting it. I mean, some people try to make you think that you're immoral if you don't get it, but they're wrong, <laughs> okay? They are wrong. The important thing is to, for us as Christians is that we seek God's guidance, not Dr. Fauci, not the New York Times, not uh, whatever cable news station you want to name, but, but that we seek God's guidance. And this brings me to a point that I want to make here that I think is very, very important. There is an idolatry in the culture around expertise. And I think the reason for that is once you reject God as the final authority in all matters of faith, morality, and, and, and life practice, you've got to create something to fill the vacuum. And what the modern world has created to fill the vacuum is expertise, experts, scientists, you know, uh, doctors, engineers, wh whatever. And by the way, I, I, I respect expertise. I mean, I'm trained to be an attorney. I developed a certain level of expertise as an attorney and understood things that the layperson didn't understand about the nature of the law and how to how to maneuver within the legal system. But what happens when you reject God is expertise becomes idolatrous and you begin to worship it and it is the be all and end all. It is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent as opposed to God being that for you. I mean, it's not, but that's what people begin to think. And so 
So Fauci speaks and people, you know, everybody listens. It's like he's a demigod. And, and uh, if you're not listening to what Fauci says, you are not honoring science. You're not listening to science. Oh, you know. But the word of God gives us a different perspective. The word of God teaches us that all human knowledge is A, limited, and B, fallible. A meaning it doesn't know everything about the subject, no matter how much expertise somebody, somebody thinks they have. And B, what they think they know could be wrong. Now, we've seen that with this, this whole virus thing and how to, how to deal with it, how to stop it. And uh, we, we've seen flip-flopping all over the place. These folks have flip-flopped more than a fish out of water. And there's very little humility, notice. <clears throat> very little, hu- in fact, I haven't heard any. It's not, look, we don't know everything about this. We are feeling our way. You weigh the, the information that we give you. At some point, it could change. You weigh what is best for you and your family. Here's our recommendations at present. Those could change, and we don't want to act like we know every uh, know it all. But you don't hear that. You hear this is what it is, and this is what you must do. And if you don't do this, you're not a responsible human being. I mean, I've read articles that, that say what I've always suspected, which is masks don't do anything. But the very people who tell us you would, must mask, and you're you're not you're killing people. And you see them on airplanes and in restaurants, and they're not wearing masks. I don't think it makes any difference anyway, but they tell us, oh, it makes all the difference, and then they go out and don't do it. You've got to wear a mask because the experts say so. The CDC says so. We as Christians, we don't deny that there are people who have higher levels of knowledge in a given sphere or discipline than we do as lay people or as non-experts. I don't deny that. I don't deny that my doctor knows things about medicine that I don't know. However, I do deny that my doctor knows everything about everything. He doesn't know everything about medicine there is to know, let alone everything about everything. And therefore, as a sentient human being, as, a, as an intelligent human being, and I'm not talking about education now, I'm just talking about common sense. I weigh what my doctor has to say. I weigh what an expert has to say. And I look at other factors that that expert may not even consider. And then I make the decision. I don't let the expert make the decision for me. I make the decision. Now, this is in keeping with, with uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which I'm teaching out of in the series right now, or at least on the, the making decisions part. I'm going to something else on Sunday. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. doesn't say, in all your ways, acknowledge Anthony Fauci, and he will direct your paths. doesn't say, in all your ways, acknowledge the CDC, and they will direct your paths. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths because they have limited knowledge about limited things and God has all knowledge about all things. 
He said, well, that, but yeah, that may be true, Bishop, but how do I get that knowledge? Well, I just gave you the formula which the scripture lays out. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, Lord, before I make this decision, I acknowledge you. What would you have me to do? In fact, you know what? Let me give you a prayer that I gave my church yesterday. I'm not going to re-preach this sermon, folks, because I don't have time to do that. But let me give you a prayer that the Lord gave me as part of this, this series, How to Be Successful. And right now, this, this sort of subsection, Making Right Decisions. Here's the prayer. And I'll tell you what, I, since the Lord gave this prayer to me, I'm going to start praying this regularly. Lord, as I contemplate this decision, let's make it specific. Do you have a decision to make right now? Are you facing a decision that is important that you need to make right now? And maybe you're in a quandary about it, or maybe you're leaning a certain way and you think you pretty much got it down pat, you know, pause, just pause. And don't, don't let the opportunity slip by. I'm not saying just procrastinate and dilly dally, but just pause and pray this. Lord, as I contemplate this decision, reveal to me what I do not see. Make known to me what I do not know. And instruct me in what I do not understand. See, because you can't see everything. And you don't know everything. And you don't understand everything. So ask God to reveal to you what you cannot see. To make known to you what you do not, or maybe even cannot know in the natural. And to instruct you in what you do not understand. See, in other words, to illuminate you beyond your own human understanding. Now, with regard to the virus itself, in regard to the vaccine, I should say. Whether or not to take the vaccine is an individual personal decision. And you need to weigh not only what the experts are saying, you need to weigh what God is saying to your spirit, what God is speaking to you. See, I, I have made clear, I'm not against people taking it, and I'm not for people taking it. What I'm against is forcing people to take it. I'm even against the social pressure that's being put on people and the use of businesses as surrogates to force people to get it. I'm against robbing people of their God-given freedom to make the decision for themselves. If a person makes a decision, I want to get it, I believe it's right for me, God bless you. If a person decides I'm not having it, I don't need to have it, I don't want to have it, I don't see the, I, God bless you too. I'm not mad at either one of you. But you've got a situation where the government and they're trying to make society and all of your neighbors mad at you if you don't get it. Like you're some kind of monster who is out trying to kill other people. Which again, I mean, that's just, that's just fear-mongering and hysteria. I really believe that we're at the point of herd immunity now. And by the way, I read another article this, just this morning. I've read several of these. But I read another article this morning <clears throat> that scientists have discovered, this is in Nature magazine, scientists have discovered a super antibody in people who have had COVID. Now they haven't studied everybody who's had COVID, so they can't say everybody who's had COVID 
has got this super body, but they did discover it in some people that they've tested. It's a super body that has this, they call it a super body, a super antibody, sorry. They call it a super antibody because it has this ability to anticipate the, the variants that can come out of these SARS viruses, and COVID is a SARS virus. It has the ability to adapt to fight any variant that comes along, it seems. Now, I've read articles, one in Scientific Magazine, says something very, very similar. And in fact, they're talking about trying to extract the super antibody and using that as the basis for future vaccines. But that's produced by the human body. And it is apparently, based on what they're saying, the most effective immunological defense against COVID that they've ever seen. And it's, it's there in the human body. Well, I've had COVID and my wife and I have been tested for the antibodies. We're not getting the vaccine. We don't need it. And we will periodically test for the antibodies. We're going to sort of do our own scientific experiment and periodically test for the antibodies and see what, what it shows. Because I really believe, based on everything I've read, that if once you've had the disease, you have a virtual lifetime of immunity. But I'm going to test. You say, well, now what if you test and, and you find that the antibodies are no longer there? I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But look, if you've got herd immunity in, the commu- in, 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 uh, in uh, America, even if I found, okay, the antibodies are no longer showing up, they're no longer testing, and I've read articles that say they actually hide in the bone marrow. They're not gone. They hide, and they wait to come out when they're needed to stop any reoccurrence of the disease. So even then, I, I'd still be disinclined, at the very least disinclined. But more importantly, if we have herd immunity, who, who's there to catch it from? As we reach herd immunity, there are very few people who A, have the disease, B, can transmit the disease. And so what's the problem? But, but that's, that's for down the road. We'll see. But right now, I, in fact, I've even heard some counsel say, if you've had the disease and you've got the antibodies, don't get the vaccine. Now here again, I've, I've read that. Dr. Simone Gold actually said that to me in a phone call that I had with her. If you've had the disease, you've got the antibodies, do not put the vaccine on top of that. Now, I've heard some experts say, oh, you only need one, one boost of the vaccine and you're going to be supercharged. Yeah, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If my body's already dealt with it, why do I? See, so this is what I mean. Now, experts would say something different to me. And I hear that. But I consider that to be just their opinion. That's not absolute truth. They say, you know, you still need to get the vaccine. That's not absolute truth. I mean, for all I know, somewhere down the road, they may decide, oh, boy, that was some bad advice we gave on that one. In the end, each individual has to make their own decision because ultimately it is your life. And the idea that you're killing people if you don't, you're giving... The, the disease has a very, 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 very low lethality rate. I mean, come on. 
unless you're in your 80s with comorbidities or you're younger, but you've got respiratory problems. And 94% of the people who died from COVID had three comorbidities or more. In other words, they had three other things that could kill them. And people are going to run around acting like not having the vaccine or not wearing a mask makes you a murderer. I mean, come on. But see here again, folks. I will weigh the advice of experts, but I will not be manipulated and controlled. I'm not having that. And that, to me, is a lot of what's going on right now, an attempt to manipulate and control people, treat them like lemmings. And if you can be led to do this, maybe you can be led to do other things. If you're willing, willing to suspend your own judgment to, and follow whatever somebody tells you in this case, well, maybe, maybe we can do that in some future case as well. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying you are an autonomous individual and you get to make that decision, not the government, not Anthony Fauci, not your neighbors, but you. Individual liberty, that's a foundational principle of this nation. And I'm amazed at how quickly people forget that. You know, collectivism always finds an excuse to say, well, if you don't do that, you see, you're, 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 you are affecting everybody else. You know, communists have killed people on that theory. You know that? They have. They've murdered people. And that's the justification. You know, you're in the way of, of the great things that can happen for other people. You're causing pain and suffering to other people because you're not going along with the program. We got to get you out of the way because you are a hindrance. You're denying people the life that they're going to have under the system. And therefore, you become expendable for the good of others, of course. So I don't want to hear this collectivist nonsense. Oh, you're, going, you're, you're killing people. You don't, you don't have the freedom to make a decision that can kill other people. Nobody, hey, come on. You're not killing other people by, having, by not having the vaccine. You're not killing other people by not wearing the mask. Give me a break. The people who are likely to die from it are people, again, in hospitals, nursing homes, or, or very, very ill. I'm not concerned about going to the supermarket and having somebody at the supermarket shopping without a mask give me COVID. Even if I hadn't, had never had it and didn't have the immune system, uh, the, the, the antibodies to defend myself against it, even if I didn't. I wouldn't be saying, oh, those people who are not wearing masks in the supermarket, they're murderers. I mean, that's stupid. All right. Making right decisions means making them not under the pressure of other people, including experts, but making them based on your own thought, not leaning to that, prayer, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and your own personal heartfelt convictions based on your interaction 
with both the information, but more importantly, with the revelation of Almighty God. Okay? And don't let anybody push you otherwise. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. They say what they want to say. Besides that, we're trusting in God for this entire thing to be ultimately over and done with. And all the little petty tyrants to get over their little addiction to power and control over people, which is what's driving this stuff. I told you in the very early stages of this, their people addicted to power and control, and they weren't going to be able to let it go easily. And we see they're not. Now they've got an excuse. It's the, it's the Delta variant. The problem is not the Delta variant. The problem is their own psychological predisposition toward power and control and tyranny. That's the problem. All right, let's come back to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we spent a lot of time on stand therefore, having your waist, uh, having girded your waist with truth. And we talked about the importance of truth as a defense and that lies will cripple you. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Now, remember the breastplate, this area here is where a fatal blow can be struck, right? I mean, if you're wounded in the heart or you're wounded in certain parts of the abdomen where a vital organ is pierced, you're done. So you put on the breastplate of righteousness because it protects your life. It shields your life from the fatal blow. Meaning what? Righteousness is right relationship with God. Now, a lot of people think that righteousness is I always do the right thing. Well, certainly you ought to always seek to do the right thing, certainly. But that's not righteousness from a biblical perspective. Righteousness from a biblical perspective is right relationship with Almighty God. Who puts you in right relationship with Almighty God? He does. He does. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Was that 2 Corinthians 5? Uh, I think that's 5.18, actually. But it's right after, you know, 17, which is, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, all things have become new, etc. So around 18 and 19. So by one man's sin, all was made sinners, all were made sinners, by one man's sacrifice, by one man's righteousness, the God-man, Jesus Christ, all are made righteous, all who accept that righteousness. So you put on the breastplate of righteousness because it protects you from a fatal blow. See, it's hard for Satan, it's impossible for Satan to strike a fatal blow against you when you are walking in the righteousness of God. Okay, he can't because you are protected. Now that, that righteousness protects your heart because your heart is now filled with the righteousness of God. And the word of God says in Proverbs uh, let me see, Proverbs 4.23. 
keep your heart with all diligence, or the word keep means guard it, protect it, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And that word issues mean the forces, uh, the dynamism, um, the principles of life come out of your heart. And when righteousness has your heart protected, then things that spring forth from your heart are going to be life-inducing things, not death-inducing things. Okay, Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, and so forth. Jeremiah said, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above everything. Who can know it? But when God gets a hold of your heart, when your heart is filled with his righteousness, then life is what springs from your heart. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. I keep printing, pointing at my chest and we know I'm not talking about the, the, the blood pump here. I'm not talking about uh, or, or actually, I guess it's here. <laughs> I'm not talking about the, the physical mechanism. I'm talking about the inner dynamic, which is the core of your being. It is your essence. It is who you actually are, which is why when you, as a songwriter says, drop this robe of flesh, you'll rise to seize the everlasting prize. Okay. Oh, man, I, this, this, is, this is powerful. This is why your salvation is secure in Christ Jesus. Because the righteousness that he has given you is sealed in your heart. The wrong things that your mind thinks, that your mouth speaks, that your body does, and we hope that those are minimal, and we hope to not be engaged in wrong things, but although we know you and I are not going to live perfectly in this world, we don't yet have that capability. We are going to one day be absolutely, completely, and totally perfect. We're not yet there. We strive to reach that to hit that measure, but we understand in this life, we're never going to hit it. But your righteousness is sealed in him because your righteousness is of the spirit. And when this body goes away, you will be immediately transformed and translated into the presence of almighty God as a perfect spirit. Perfect, because you're already perfect in the spirit. Well, Bishop, if I'm already perfect in the spirit, why do I ever do or think anything wrong? Because your mind must be renewed, your will must be redirected, and your emotions must be retrained. Because your look, folks, this is why this, this breastplate of righteousness is so important. And, and, and hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Your human mind is not saved. Okay. Your human mind is not saved. That's why the Bible says in in Second Corinthians uh, twelve two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your your human mind has to be renewed. It has to be 
it has to be filled with the things of God. It's, it's not, your human mind is not saved. Your human mind is still capable of thinking evil thoughts, even though you're saved. Your emotions are not saved. Your emotions have to be retrained to follow God. Your emotions will lead you all over the place. Your emo emotions will lead you in wrong directions. Your emotion of anger will lead you to do things that are, are not pleasing and are, are, are not right in God's sight. Your passion will lead you to think thoughts and want to do things that are not pleasing in God's sight. Your emotions need to be retrained. Your will needs to be redirected. It needs to be repurposed. Because your will has had the habit of how, however long you weren't saved, your will has had the habit of doing what you want. And your will now needs to be, your will doesn't need to be broken. Your will doesn't need to be shattered. Your will, your will needs to be redirected to do what God wants. For your will to come into agreement with his will. See? So your will is out here. You get saved. Your will's still out there. But now you're a brand new creature on the inside and, and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you and the Holy Spirit will help you to reach up and grab your will and say, hey, come on over here and get an agreement with God. Look, folks, let me just give you an example. It is not my natural human will to forgive. My natural human will is to stay angry when people wrong me. My natural human will is to want to get back up at them when they wrong me. But, so my will is out here, but the will of God is for me to forgive, and the Holy Spirit is in me with that reality now, that power of forgiveness on the inside of me, and I'm saved, and that therefore, that, that innate desire is there, but my will is over here saying, why forgive that idiot? He needs to be punched in the face. So the, the inner man under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling me, reaches over and says, oh, no, you don't. No, no. You, you, you are a person of love. Will, get over here. And you line up with God. And you forgive. And you love. And you be a person of peace and joy. See, this is what, this is what the left doesn't understand about us Christians. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not pacifists, okay? We have a right to defend ourselves, our families, our lives, our country. I get off on that one with these young people who hate America. It's, it's a bad, bad situation. So we're not pacifists. But, but the impulse within us is not to do harm now. It is to do people good. And because we've been forgiven by God, we have within us a desire to forgive others within us. But that, that doesn't mean our emotions agree with that. That doesn't mean our will agrees with that. That doesn't mean every thought in our head agrees with that. You got to bring all of that stuff, bring them, 
renew the mind. You got to retrain the will. You've got to you, redirect the will, I should say. Retrain the emotions. No, you will come in agreement with God. And that breastplate of righteousness, say, that, that emanates from your inner being, really, because you have now been made the righteousness of God, protects your life. It is a life-protecting piece of spiritual armor. Wow. Let me move on. 15th verse says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And of course, you all know that during that time, the time that this was written, um, soldiers, of course, had to walk long distances. There was no public transportation. There, was no, there were no buses. There were no airplanes. And, and most soldiers didn't have horses. Only the cavalry had certain certain parts of an army might have had horses, but most soldiers were traveling long distances by foot. That means they had to have their feet shod well to withstand the, 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 the constant pounding that they would be in, enduring over unpaved roads, over rough terrain, and over very difficult wilderness and desert situations. So this is the orientation of a person that God is using to share this truth. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, and, and the feet, of course, are the foundation. If a soldier's feet go, guess what? He's done. He is no good. He can't move. So what this is saying is having that foundation strong, protected by the, by the mission that we have of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can go where you want to go, where God wants you to go ultimately, and do what God wants you to do and move with, 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 with alacrity, with, with a purpose, with, with stability, with strength, because what? You're doing it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're doing it for the, and so no matter how rough the road might get, you can endure because you know this is not about you and it's not about ego. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, again, folks, people don't understand this. Christians, I think, most Christians who, who have had any interaction with me or have followed me know but, but the, the worldly people, the leftists, the homosexuals, the Democrats, uh, all these people out there who have a godless worldview, they, they don't understand what motivates somebody like me. They, under, they don't understand that I'm not motivated by political ambition. I'm motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm motivated by the fact that this is the only way to live and this is the only way to assure not only a better life on earth, but eternal life in heaven and in the kingdom of God. So now, wait a minute, Bishop. You, what do you mean a better life on earth? Well, that's what I'm dealing with in my how to be successful. What I'm pointing out in how to be successful is the ultimate measure of success is not material things, a big house, a big car. I mean, nothing wrong with any of those things, mind you. Nothing wrong with having the creature comforts that make life easier. Nothing wrong with that. 
But that's not the measure of success. Jeff Bezos is the reputed to be, at least, the wealthiest man on earth. But unless he knows Jesus Christ and there's nothing indicating that he does, nothing, he is an he is a greater and more abject failure than the bum in the street. Because at least the bum in the street knows he's down and perhaps will look up and say, God, I need you. Help me. Jeff Bezos, if he has learned to trust in his money and he thinks that buys him some kind of, I don't know what, but (laughs) whatever he thinks it buys him, he is in for a very rude awakening. He is not successful in God's sight without Christ Jesus. He is not. And you know that, that story about the, the, the wealthy man, his funeral goes by, and I mean, there's just cars, limousines, and just, just, uh, just one after another. I mean, my goodness gracious, it takes an hour for the procession to go by. Two people stand on the corner watching all this, knowing this was a very wealthy man. One of them says to the other, wow, how much do you think he left? And the guy standing beside it says, every dime of it. (laughs) Every dime of it didn't take not one dime with him. I mean, you stand before God naked. So you want your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you can go where God wants you to go, do what God wants you to do, and know that you, you have stable footing because you know why you're doing it. See, I look, I don't do what I do because I think it's going to make me rich or because I think it's going to make me famous or because I think it, uh, whatever, you know, the, the accolades of people. I do what I do because I really believe that God gave us this nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And my job as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to do what I can to make sure that America's God is the Lord. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what that's what's that's my foundation. That's what I'm standing on. That's what I'm walking on. Not Republican politics, certainly not Democrat politics. Not politics at all, really. That's not my foundation. If anybody thinks that politics is my foundation, you've mis- you, you misunderstood me completely. The word of God is my foundation. And what people see as my politics grows out of my faith in God and out of my commitment to him. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into the 16th verse. It says, because if I do, I'll go way over. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's what I'm coming back to next time. All right, folks. Well, listen, I've, I've got to go. Let me see. Is there anything that I need to say to you before I go? Um, I, I can't, oh, I'll be on with you again today at 1 p.m. Eastern time on The Awakening, my radio program on American Family Radio. So 
give me a, uh, a call there and uh, tune in, listen there. And, and by the way, give me, please give me your feedback. I'm trying to work out a mechanism for being able to respond to your feedback. I do read comments from time to time on Facebook, but if we don't have anything systematic. I'm kind of at the limits of my bandwidth, but we're working on that. So believe me, your comments are very much appreciated. I do see them from time to time, but I'm trying to get more systematic in that. Uh, so keep letting us know. And by the way, if there's anything that you want to do to try to help out, whatever that might be, uh, Todd Phillips in Richmond said, I said, we need your help. And he said, but where, how? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure how it depends on what your gifts are, what your proclivities are, what your interests are. If you want to start a TC in your area, the call church in your area, happy to, to facilitate in doing that. But there may be other things that you want to help us to get done. Uh, we've got a big vision for this ministry between the church and Stan and all the things that we're doing in communications. We've got a big vision and we don't have the resources to carry it out, but God does. God does. And if you want to help in some way here, again, you can go to our websites, standamerica.us or thecall.org, donate how you see fit. Um, or just, here again, if you don't have a dime to send or you don't have a dime to give, pray for us. As I said before, resources can never substitute for prayer, but prayer can produce resources. God bless you. Remember, remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. Whoa. Ah.